Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. We have a belated special feature for you. This was meant to run during race week, the Indianapolis 500 in May of 2019. This was an interview that I captured with our friend Al Unser Jr. just prior to the beginning of practice at the Speedway. This was talking about, no, not the 25th anniversary of his big win, the Beast, the Penske, the Ilmore-built, Mercedes-badged Penske PC-23, won in 1994. Also, weren't talking about his very first Indy 500 win in 1992. We were going back to 1989. What could have, what maybe should have been his first win. Dramatic crash in the closing laps of the race with Emerson Fittipaldi. So knowing that the 25th anniversary of his win in the Beast was going to be an item celebrated by many during the month, wanted to go back to something beforehand and delve into not only the day, how well his Rick Gallus Lola Chevy was running, but also that fateful close to the race, the contact with Fittipaldi. See how he dealt with that. Really enjoy this conversation with Al and the reason it was delayed is unfortunately he was arrested not too long after we recorded this for driving under the influence of alcohol. And so from a timing standpoint, posting this days after that occurrence did not seem like the best idea. So with this sitting in my podcast folder, my to produce folder in the end of the year, almost here, thought it would be a good time to wheel this out enjoy going back to May of 1989 with Al Unser Jr. on a day where he almost won his first Indianapolis 500. Al, we were speaking recently about Indianapolis Motor Speedway this year being the 25th anniversary of your second and I would say most amazing vehicular win with the Beast. Yep. The great part of that conversation, though, was you're telling me we need to sit down another time and talk about what I believe is the race where I actually put in my best performance, and we're not talking about winning. Where should we go first about this 1989 so close to victory, <laughs> but something just that you look at and hail as, the, of all my 500s, that's the one I'm proudest of performance-wise? Yeah, well, we we were we were talking about that, and and you know, eighty nine I felt was my best drive of all of my Indy five hundreds, and and uh, you know, unfortunately, we we didn't win, you know, but uh, but we prepared for that as a team, we prepared for that race flawlessly, and and uh, you know, really to begin with, Marshall, it was it was. Goodyear brought a soft compound and a hard compound that year, and uh, and we as a team, Alan Mertens, my engineer, and and myself, you know, we we decided that we needed to give work really hard and give it a great try of making the soft compound really? last a fuel stint, you know, because it was it was like. The reds, the, the the primaries and the alternates today that we know of, you know, the, the, the alternates, uh, uh, they go away quicker than the primaries. And that was the same thing 
with the soft and the hard compound tires, you know, in 89. And so we worked really hard that, that, that month, those, those two weeks of practice to get that, uh, that softer tire to live. And, uh, and we accomplished it right at the very end of practice on the second week. You know, I mean, uh, we, we, it was down to the last minute on that and, but we accomplished it. And, uh, and so, you know, I had to drive the car a certain way and that sort of thing. But, uh, what was that way? What what did that just being nicer on the tires, you Mm. know, if, if, because the cars in that day, okay, we carried 40 gallons of fuel and they would change from full tanks to empty tanks. The balance would change immensely. And so if, uh, if, for example, we had full tanks on it and the car had an understeer to it, then just back off a little bit and go a little bit slower, be nice to that right front so that it could live for the fuel stint and not try to be real fast at the, at the beginning of the fuel stint so that you'd have some tire left over at the, at the end of the fuel stint. And so either way, the, the car, you know, really changed, you know, with the fuel load, with the, as the day went on, as the track changed, you know, to, to keep up with it and that sort of thing. And so, so anyway, we were able to do that. And, and, uh, and then the strategy during the race, you know, was flawless. The pit stops were flawless. Uh, the car was fast at, at any given time during the race. You know, my job really was to, uh, to stay on the lead lap, stay out of trouble, A. S- secondly, stay on the lead lap. And, uh, and we accomplished that. And so then, you know, at the end of the race, uh, I had made my final stop. Uh, Emerson was, uh, uh, was just in front of me by about 15 seconds. He still had to make his final stop. And so actually had the race gone green at the end, there wouldn't have been a race. Mm. We would have won by more than half a lap, and you know it would have been a a, a great race for the Valvoline team, you know, with 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 the Gallus Racing team because we did everything perfect that day to to uh, put ourselves in in position. But so happened the yellow came out, you know, and then I had to go race Emerson, and uh, and we had the car to beat him. You know, we, we went up and uh, and passed him, and uh, all in clean air and all that kind of stuff. And and so uh, it was a great race. And and it just it was a shame that the the lap traffic we came on there at the end, you know, that that, that caused us to uh, to get together. So so you started the middle of the third row. Car had speed. You knew you had speed. Uh, we had mirrors on the front row on pole. Tell me, coming into race day, maybe even just coming into qualifying, talking about the work that you'd been, you and the team had been doing in practice, what was the mindset or the feeling as qualifying came? Was it more centered on, all right, maybe we're not going to star here in the run for the pole, but hey... We got something for them on race day based on this work we've done. What was the feeling? Well, really, 
I think it shows by my my career polls that uh, that I'm not a real qualifier. And <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. And there. Uh, well, there's there's a reason for that. You know, I spent my entire time of practice to get a comfortable car that was a consistent race car for the race. I didn't I didn't spend any time at all on um, making a qualifier out of it you know I, I spent all of my time running with half tanks and and stuff like that and and then uh and then you know we'd spend a little bit of time preparing for qualifying like like you know we'd we'd start trying to really go fast on friday before saturday's qualifying i, w- I wouldn't spend any time monday tuesday wednesday thursday on you know w- we were there to yes have a fast race car once we got a fast race car that would put me anywhere in the first three rows you know then then we started instantly going to running running half tanks and and stuff and and preparing for the race and then friday we would bounce back to taking the fuel out of it running new tires and that sort of thing and and so you know i was i was okay with the with uh you know the, the first three rows that was fine with me and uh and so you know we didn't really know what we had in the race until we got into the race you know and that's the way it always is okay i mean uh you know on on uh carb day people go out there and they go fast and and all that kind of stuff and and all i concentrated on was do i have the same car on carb day that i did the last practice day which is generally the sunday before mm. that yeah you know and the track would shut down monday tuesday wednesday and then we'd get to run on thursday and did the car stay with me and what we think is going to be a, a race speed you know i would spend time on that and then as soon as i felt the car i wouldn't spend any time out there like like uh you know we the the practice session is for two hours if i felt we had it in the first 30 minutes then I stopped. The car went back to the garage, and let's go race. Smart. You know, and and honestly, I think that's what happened on that carb day. I didn't spend any time in the car. You know, it was just uh, to make sure that that hey, that's it's the same car that I got out of on Sunday, and we make a little bit of changes for the the temperature and and the, the humidity of that Thursday. We'd make our changes, and then if it was the same car, then I would park it. Looking at the race start itself, Al, know that MO was very strong for the first good oh, yeah. while. I mean, oh, yeah. MO was, was, if we're just talking philosophy, you could see that not only did he have a fast car, he wanted to make sure everyone else knew he had a fast sure. car. Yeah. Uh, you often in your 500 career we didn't see this on road and street courses you you if the front was there to be had you went to the front Mm -hmm. here though i think just stylistically i love the fact that there was this black and white dynamic of mo with a car that could go to the front and he was going to be there no matter what you it seemed like and tell me if this is correct your mindset was more of the laying in wait lurking in the bushes kind of thing (laughs) we're here you don't know the kind of fangs i got but i'm going to show them to you when it matters is that would that encapsulate yeah, well, your day you know it can the, the answer is yes marshall i mean it was uh 
you can get here at the 500, you can get into wanting to lead this thing so bad that you start taking unnecessary chances to lead. And so, you know, leading the race, it, it, it didn't mean anything to me. It was, you know, it was winning the race. And there's a difference between leading and winning. And so the whole day was all about preparing for that final stop to the checkered and putting ourselves, keeping ourselves in position during the day, keeping up with the track. And so on our final stop, you know, we, we have our, our, our best that, 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 that we can adjust the car from that point to the checkered. And, and the car was flawless. It was, it was awesome. Another thing that might be fun to speak about, knowing that hopefully some of our listeners are learning about the 89 race for the first time. Maybe they're more recent IndyCar fans and learning about history. So last year's 500, many recent 500s, the dominating topic is often aerodynamics, aero balance, aero wash, too much push because of the wake and drag and all these mm-hmm. mind-numbing That's things. Right. That's right. Bring us back to this 89 race as an example of the era where there were wings on the car, there was mm-hmm. downforce being made beneath it. But what was it like driving and competing and trying to pass in terms of differences of, say, 89 versus today? This wasn't a case where I could only get within three car lengths and then the car's just a, a pushing pig. You could race. Well, the, you know, yes, they were different times, but uh, I think uh, the cars were less efficient aero-wise in my day. The tire technology was less performance in my day than what they are today. And so although we ran wide open around here during the race, okay, you really couldn't run wide open from full to empty tanks. The car changed too much during that that time. And so, uh, you know, when you've got when you've got everybody being able to run flat like it is today, then that 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 wash, you know, b- behind another car really affects you, you know, and and so uh, but we still had that same thing back in our day, okay, where we get behind another car, you lost the front end. Sure. It, it was just that simple. And, and so you really had to uh, set someone up and so on. And, and, and so um, it, was, it was less difficult because the car in front wasn't easy wide open. And so, you know, his car had to be working, but sometime during the stint of a, of a fuel load, his car was not going to be able to run wide open. And so, you know, it, it, that was really the difference, I think. And as we steer towards the close here, Al, I think it also speaks to what made your drive in 89 so remarkable because knowing that in this era tires could go off much faster than firestones today and in today's indy 500s most cars are incredibly consistent it's very rare when someone has just has a diabolical car this 89 race in particular in your approach was one of realizing no 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 
anyone's car can go off very quickly if we don't drive to protect the things like mm-hmm. the, the, the tires. That could be a real detriment. I love the fact that this race that means more to you and your family than anything else on the planet, you decided to bring this very intentional approach on a day that said, okay, I'm going to be the guy who willfully doesn't look maybe the most impressive for most of the race. I'm going to be the conservationist to try and get the thing that I want. I know ultimately you didn't win it, but the performance that you hail as really the one you're most proud of, I love the fact that it wasn't just flat-out balls to the wall. It was really a thinking man's 500. Yeah, that's that's really what what we attacked it as. I mean, there was there was a time middle in the race that Emerson and Michael Andretti got to racing each other for the lead. And they started racing really hard with each other and taking a lot of chances and that sort of thing. And, and actually, uh, they were... I was about 10, 15 seconds in front of them, and I was running third, okay? And so they were about to lap me. My, uh, my car owner, Rick Gallus, calls me on the radio and goes, Al, you know, the, the leaders are coming up on you. And I go, okay. So I, I, I was saving fuel at the time. I had the, knob, the boost knob turned down, the boost turned down. You know, just making sure everything is staying alive. I love it. And I turned the boost up and uh, and ran about four laps. And I took that 15 seconds, opened it up to like 30, you know, just within just that much time. And I called Ray, uh, Rick and I go, are you happy? And he goes, that's fine. That's great. We're happy. Okay. <laughs> you know, so... I had a fast car all day long. I just didn't, I didn't need to show it until the end. And, and uh, so that's what we did. Let's wrap on this. I've mentioned this to you multiple times about how your reaction to the crash with Emmo that lo- lost what would have been your first Indy 500 victory was so polar opposite of how I think 99% of the human beings ever born would react. I would have climbed out, thrown my helmet, <laughs> take my shoes off, thrown those. I would have been naked, thrown everything I had to show angry, to show how angry I was. You, you were a vision of class and respect in a scenario where I think that it was at least a 50-50 call where you could have rightfully exploded Let's close on that. Did you have to calm yourself? Was that just a natural reaction? It just seemed so amazing when it wasn't expected. Yeah, I've, you know, I've been asked that a lot, Marshall. And, and really, you know, was I really upset or was I, you know, the, the sportsman that, that, that I showed? And so it was both. To be the real honest, it was both. It was yes, I was angry, I was, I was upset. Not so much at Emerson, but the fact that I was going to lose the race. You know, I mean, I had lost the Indy 500, and I had a shot at winning it. And we had driven perfectly. The team had performed perfectly. The car was there. 
and it was just out of our control why we didn't win because we were the we were the car team that day and and we only showed it at the end we didn't show it any time during the day and so you know uh yeah when i got out of the car i was angry i was i was wanting to throw the helmet and really just tell emerson exactly how i felt but uh once i got out there and i was waiting for emerson all of a sudden i saw and i realized where i was at i wasn't at a saturday night local race i wasn't at mm. uh, um, just a normal race i was at the race the indy 500 and so you know i all of a sudden thought of this is emerson's first 500 and it's emerson emerson is a good friend of mine and he was prior i mean emerson goes to accidents and saves drivers nikki lauda he pulled him he was the one who pulled nikki lauda out of the fire in the in the F1 car back then, and 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 I saw him go out to Nelson Piquet when when Nelson came here and and broke his legs. I mean Emerson is is emotionally attached to the drivers out there. So the last thing Emerson wants to do is hurt anyone. Okay, and so but we were going for the win at the Indy 500, and all of this hit me when I was standing in that North shoot. And so I applauded him and gave him thumbs up for, you know, the, his first victory. Thank you, my friend. You bet. You know You're I welcome. love you. You're amazing. Thank you. <laughs>